everybody, it's me, Roscoe, and welcome to another episode of the Kings of Anglia Issues Town podcast, which is sponsored by Manscaped. And I'm back in the hot seat once again as Heafy is off, but I'm joined by two fine gentlemen in Stu and AJ as we discuss all things town. Let's get right into it then, boys. Um, let's bring in Stuart Watson, who had his birthday this week. How was that, my friend? And welcome back. Uh, yeah, it was fine, thank you. And I was very bemused um, later in the day when I got a load of tweets with pictures of Kim Jong-un. Um, <laughs> does someone care to explain what that's all about? That, that was that was, was that one of things? Yeah, you? that was... Um, uh, I, we had a little chat about this one. Where, yeah, um, a creation of mine and, and Mark's that ended up on the pods quite early on on... Uh, Monday, but I would not say anything to upset our dear leader um, over there. So I'm just going to, yeah, quiet. Uh, he's muted himself. He's done the Homer Simpson uh, back, into, <laughs> yeah, um, back into the hedge. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to disobey the dear leader. Yeah, I will admit, I've completely, completely, so. completely forgot what the, fre- the reference was. Um, it was because Stu was in charge while Mark was off. Oh, yeah. Mark asked, what is the uh, what was his leadership style like? Is he like a dictator? I said, yes. It was like North Korea. So Mark came up with Kim Jong Watson. And I thought, you know what? Kim Jong Stew has such a nice ring to it. Uh, and it went down very well on social media. Mm. I've got a little button here. Be careful, Alex. I press a button <laughs> and you fall for a trap door into a, into a pool of sharks. So... Just, just be careful. It's all this is a new news quest edition. This. I wish <laughs> I was as good at golf as Kim Jong Un as well. That's yeah. Has he allegedly got? Didn't he go round in something like twenty or you know, got ten hole in ones in a round? So, wow. That basically it being just there and you just tapped it in. Yeah, I'm sure he's also like the best footballer in the world. He's incredible at basketball. Um, anything you can think of, basically, as as you asked you. Rightly so. Rightly said. Yeah, we've gone to, gone down a road. It's interesting hole here. I think we let's get back into Itchish Town. Um, and yeah, I don't know. If, I doubt we have any North Korean listeners because I don't think they can listen to podcasts there. Anyway, uh, Stu, AJ, uh, sexy stuff. Um, two weeks until the transfer window shams shut. Um, and yeah, you know, two signings in. Strikers have been linked. State of play of a town transfer window. Stu, what you're giggling? I just it? enjoyed sh- sham shut. Oh. I thought we were just going to let that slide. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I will admit that they go. It did cross my mind for a second there where I was like, I said that wrong, but hopefully no one's noticed. But I think you've noticed. I think all our listeners are like, lo- noticed. Yeah. Has, has anyone watched um, Team America World Police? Do you know? Yeah. Kim Jong, is it Kim Jong Il and that? And he, he kind of speaks a little bit like that. Sorry, I'm dragging us back into a North Korean thing here, but I, I did hear the similarities in that. That was very much in my mind when I talked about the big button that, that drops you into yeah. the sharks, actually. So it's a, it's a nice throwback already within the first five minutes of this. Great film. Do we have to talk about football? I don't know. It's up to, up to listeners, really. If you know, shall we? This guys? would be such a good mailbag episode. It would be. I'd do an be. entire podcast on Team America quite happily. Or throwback. Well, how long was that ago when that got released? Like twenty years, probably now. Something like that. Uh, yeah, it's got to be around oh, that. Yeah, a little bit after that, I think around two thousand eight, maybe about that. Mm, I'm going to say earlier than that. Ooh. Yeah. 
Google I, it. I now feel oh he's on it already. Yeah, we're not, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to bother. It was now. 2004. Wow, I would have been years ago. three or four oh. years old then. Sorry, wow. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna mute myself again. Yeah, yeah. Please do, please do. That even makes me feel old. Um, when you, when you, when I saw, when I see 2,000 babies, when you're born in like 2,000, it's just even 2010s. You know, it's just oh, scary. 1996. Um, anyway, let's get into the sexy stuff. Stu, transfer window strikers is the big talking point, and there's a, a familiar face and a name that has been linked. In Kiefer Moore, let us know a bit more. Um, that was reported by somebody. More on more. <laughs> it was report. Excellent, yeah. excellent journalistic practice there. Reported by somebody. Yeah, somebody being the Athletic. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah, a very re- uh, reputable source. Um, Kiefer Moore is someone that. I think I wrote in a in a piece around strikers uh, a week or so ago that Ipswich are interested in him, have been for a little while, but I think there's been a feeling inside the club that half the championship, if not more, will be interested in him as well. Um, and the Athletic reports that Ipswich and Sunderland are the first to make the move formally, have uh, put in a loan offer for him, uh, and that has been knocked back by Bournemouth because the terms are deemed unacceptable. So whether that is the percentage of, of wage that they've deemed unacceptable, whether they want more of a loan fee, um, that part is not clear. But um, it's obvious that he's going to be leaving Bournemouth. I think the managers talked about him not standing in his way. He's only made seven appearances off the bench in the Premier League this season. Um, so we shall see. Um Ipswich have got lots of money from their American owners. We know that, but they are also working within financial fair play parameters. Um, if you look back to a few before the window opened, I think I think it was the Sun that reported that Ipswich had a budget of around three million pounds for a striker, with around fifteen k a week in in wages from. Some of the inquiries I made off the back of that suggested to me that Ipswich did have a little bit more wriggle room than that, that they could push a bit more beyond those parameters, but probably not wildly beyond that. Um, and also, you've then got to think about sort of the the harmony of the squad and, and players talk. And if suddenly Kiefer Moore came in on, you know, he's reportedly on 40 grand a week at Bournemouth. We don't know how correct those figures are but say Ipswich picked up half of that more than half of that then if that's beyond what everyone else is on maybe players would be okay with it if they thought he was the man that came in and made the difference and got them over the line and ultimately got them all 50% pay rises and that's all fine but you do have to think about sort of um it's not just go and go and spend the money town. You know, there are things to, to consider. There's FFP, there's the harmony of the squad, there's the wage structure, there's all all that sort of thing. And it, and if ultimately someone like Leeds come to the table on him, then that's then going to become difficult, I would imagine, for, for Ipswich Town to compete as well. So, um, yeah, that's always felt like one that could go t- towards the latter stages of the window with Kiefer Moore, maybe Bournemouth for mm-hmm. awaiting... I think for Anton Semenyo to come back from uh, from uh, Afcon, um, so yeah, an interesting situation around Kiefer Moore. Who would have thought, you know, if you'd have said back in 2017 that he would be the man to come back on on a 
potentially this is sort of the white knight coming to save the day midway through a season in the championship back then you'd, you'd have been laughed at um when he wasn't particularly good was he during those handful of substitute appearances so um yeah interesting situation Indeed. I'm going to slap myself on the wrist there because I've made a note of all the notes of the, the, the plan for the pod and I have put the athletic reports, but for some reason in that moment, my mind went blank and I just had to just say, who's do? Um, but yeah, Kiefer Moore, 11 sub-appearances back in 2017. It was a, it was a, such a random signing because I think he signed from Forest Green when he was on loan at Torquay United. Um, you know, obviously he, he left us and he's gone on to become a Welsh international, played in the Premier League. Um, AJ, your, your thoughts on this one, Kiefer Moore? Um, as Stu said, the harmony of the squad, the big wages and stuff. But he has proven he can score at this level and there's a lot of suitors for him. I think he's the perfect short-term fix for a short-term problem, isn't he? Because you're looking at a player in George Hurst who's going to be out for the rest of the season. If you can bring someone like him in for the rest of the season to try and push you towards the Premier League, I think it's pretty much perfect. You're bringing in someone with great pedigree who, I mean, I don't need to say and talk about his physicality and the the um, different bits that he brings in terms of holding up the ball, in terms of shrugging off defenders, in terms of being quite a good finisher. Um, he takes all the boxes that you need and, and probably also comes in, as I said, with a bit more experience in that side. So you look at, and it's been mentioned online, if you had a front four of Burns, Chaplin, Broadhead and um, Kiefer Moore, also uh, three of those being Welsh internationals, weird thought, Um I think, wow, that would be quite a strong one to go into the, the uh, rest of the season. That would be fantastic. It's also one where, as she said, you can't probably go and kind of break the bank to go and bring it in. It has to be the right structure for the loan deal. You don't want to totally go and whack everything because I mean, there's still little bits that Town will probably want to go and do. Will there be a second striker, you'd say? So will there be something else potentially as we will get on to? So it's about finding the right balance with that. But in terms of ticking the boxes, and it's one of the things that Kieran McKenna said, you want to try and tick as many boxes as possible, albeit you can't always do that. It feels quite perfect. And with his age as well, is he a long-term option? You know, Maybe, maybe not. Depends where Town end up beyond the season. So there's always that aspect to it as well. But knowing that you'd have him until the end of the season, knowing that you'll have George Hurst back towards the end, or at least for next season, it, it just kind of feels like the pieces of the puzzle fit in quite nicely. It's just a case of making sure it's a realistic deal to happen because there's going to be a lot of competition, a lot of teams with big money and a lot of teams who maybe have a little bit more wiggle room with FFP. If they can make it work, I'd say it's pretty perfect. I think Kieran talked about being sort of adaptable in January. We know that he's very specific in the attributes he wants, the age range, the style of player. Um, When we were discussing the striker market and how there wasn't tons of names jumping off the page a little while back. I think I did say that Kiefer Moore is probably the best of what is available. Stylistically, I'm not convinced that he's everything that Ipswich want in terms of being kind of as dynamic and mobile as what Kieran McKenna wants from a striker. But um, he is experienced, he is proven, he is relatively up to speed. I think Ipswich would have to change the 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 way they play a little bit because his big strength is obviously in the air, incredible in the air, um, and and I think sort of just in general physicality and and height is something that Ipswich are lacking, so that that would help probably in both boxes. Um, but we know that Ipswich's patterns of play is is generally cutbacks into the box, 
might have to mix it up a little bit. We've seen a couple of headers scored recently, um, Twenzebi, Connor Chaplin, um, and Kieran McKenna talked about kind of mixing that up a little bit. And uh, if Kiefer Moore's up front in the team, you might start seeing a few more whipped crosses in, into the box in the air as, as well as those cutbacks and maybe adding a bit of variety to their to their play might might be a good thing as well so still a long long way to go on this one um other other clubs at the party financials to sort out but Ipswich are are in the mix indeed uh, two weeks left to go as we say um slam shots not sham shots anyway um other strikers then boys um AJ, should we talk about Sam Gallagher, Blackburn Rover striker? Um, apparently, astalled and uh, Blackburn don't want to sell. Yeah, I think this was a little bit of a weird one when it came up. He was a name that was floated by PA with uh, Ryovich from Watford. I wouldn't expect that one will materialise uh, for a variety of reasons with Watford also selling other strikers. But Gallagher was an interesting one where I'd say on the surface, a, a pretty good addition if, if it was something that town would have been able to do i think it's looking unlikely now we've had reports from the lancashire telegraph saying that it looks like blackburn don't want to sell after a couple of bids were knocked back in kind of the one 1.5 million range so a frustrating one but also one that i think when it came out fans were a little bit underwhelmed with purely because he suited the mold in the sense of he was big tall physical and mobile he, he looked quite similar to um to George Hurst and I think maybe a little bit more than Kiefer Moore could fit in and be a bit more of a like for like option. Um the concerns, well biggest concerns for me are the fact that he's not necessarily a, a clinical striker. Now granted you put him into an Ipswich team, would that be different? Probably. Also he's only just come back from injury, an injury that had him out since September. And you're looking to realistically bring someone in to be involved, well, I mean, as soon as possible, pretty much. Um so that that'll be a tough ask for him. And I think that from Town's perspective, it was probably a case of looking at it and thinking, we don't want to pay over the odds for someone in that situation. Would they have considered going in with two million, maybe more, if um, Blackburn had said he's available and we'll look at those kind of offers potentially? Did he tick a, a lot of the boxes? Yes. Um, it's also one way, yeah, you look at it and say there are better options out there. Also, to what extent, as, as Stu's referred you know, the market's quite small and finding someone that ticks the boxes. He definitely does, I'd say. Um, but I'm not totally convinced by him. I, I think it would have been quite a big risk, especially if you're looking for a fee north of 1.5 to 2 million. That's going to be quite a lot of money going for someone like him. So there'll be other targets that will kind of fit that. And I think that this one's probably going to be one that falls away quite quickly. Mm. And Stu, do you think it's more likely to be like a loan? Obviously, there's one interested party in Jay Stansfield, a man you you dropped the story on. Uh, Mowbray, Tony Mowbray, of course, the new Birmingham boss, came out and said he, he thinks he wants to stay. Of course, the recall um, window isn't shut yet, um, obviously on loan from Fulham. Um, any more on that? Just before I talk about Stansfield, I just just uh, just to re- go back on Sam Gallagher, there might be a little bit of brinksmanship here going on. Ipswich, I've spoken to, to people, I've spoken to people that have... Um, around this and from what I gather there has been an offer rejected of around the million pound with extras Ipswich have probably drawn their line there at the moment Blackburn have kind of 
I know that probably doesn't look great from their point of view that they've already let Lewis Travis go to Ipswich if they were to let another experienced player, of which they haven't got many, go as well. It doesn't look great from their point of view. So they're going to be trying to maximise the money side of it from their end. Ipswich have probably drawn a line, but if things go cold on Kiefer Moore, for example, and other, and other routes don't come off, then maybe... You know, Blackburn are hoping a bit of desperation kicks in from an Ipswich Town point of view and they can squeeze a little bit more money out of them. Um, I don't know. So that's one one to keep an eye on there. But as Alex says, he ticks some boxes in terms of his height, in terms of his experience, um, but also 28 years of age. So it's a little bit older than they, they want to be shopping in, just coming back from an injury as well, which is not ideal when you're looking for a bit of a short-term um, solution. So... Um, yeah, I think all of these deals and players that we're talking around have all got some sort of issues. Um, and that's what you get when you're trying to sign a, a striker in January. You're not going to get the perfect fit in in all areas. So um, Jay Stansfield, to go back to him. Yes, we know he's a player that Ipswich of Kieran McKenna has admired for, for quite some time. I think they had a little look at him uh, when he went to Exeter on loan at the start of last season. Um or surprised they didn't go for him in the summer when it was clear he was going to step up a, a division, but he ended up going to to Birmingham. Um, I think there was a bit of surprise when I sort of said that Ipswich might try and try and get him, and um, Birmingham fans were uh, aghast at the the idea that he would he would leave them to come to Ipswich, and why would Fulham sell him? Well, very quickly it became apparent that Fulham do see him as having a bit of future. They're not ready to sell him yet. But would they want to sort of place him at a club higher up the division? Um, we'll have to see on that one, won't we? Wayne Rooney talked about there being a short window for the recall option. Tony Mowbray has since replaced Wayne Rooney and has been asked about that and says, no, we haven't got past that deadline yet, but I've looked him in the eye and he's told me he loves it here and he wants to stay. So... Read into that what you will. If if you're the player, are you going to say anything differently? I, I don't know. Is that they haven't got an established relationship there? Tony's only just come in. Um, so yeah, another one that's kind of watch watch this space on Jay Stansfield. It, like Gallagher, it's looking unlikely, but also never say never. You know, there's still while there's still that glimmer of of possibility, you can't write that off. Yeah, very true. And going back to the thing about, you know, Gallagher not being up to speed and other players like that. Last year, obviously, we signed uh, signed George Hurst, who had a bit of a, a disappointing spell at Blackburn. Um, also, Nathan Broadhead, we signed him, had a disappointing spell at Wigan. Both had injury issues. Um, so, AJ... Bro- you know, Broadhead had scored goals, hadn't he, in yeah. the first half of the season. I think he was fully up to fully up to speed. George Hurst, different. Yeah, he'd, he'd barely played at Blackburn, had he? So he was someone, again, that they had to get up to speed. But I don't think he'd had injuries at Blackburn. So at least he'd been training. At least he'd been getting the odd game off the bench here and there. Whereas with Sam Gallagher, I think he has actually actually been injured and, and probably not been able to sort of train fully and all of that. So there's different levels of kind of match fitness and you would imagine he's at, at the lower end of that. Massimo Luongo of course was in that, that same bracket as well hadn't played a lot of football and, and it took them a bit of time for, to get him up to speed so um, that was a bit different with someone like Massimo because they had other players in his position and they had the luxury of kind of building him up quietly behind the scenes before really I think he, it was February time before he, he probably got in and 
and stayed in. Whereas with respect to the options that Ipswich have got at the moment, we're, we're hoping and asking for a striker to come in and, and really hit the ground running from, from game one, aren't we? Pretty much. Um, AJ, how are you feeling about the, the striker search then? You know, with all the players mm. linked and stuff like that. Um, of course, some fans are... Get, I've had a few messages from people saying, oh, I'm a bit, I'm a bit worried, Ross. I don't know if we're going to be able to bring this striker in. How, how are you feeling right now? I think they'll probably end up getting two. I'm, I'm fairly confident from what I've seen and look, it's a smallish sample size, but in terms of what I've seen Ipswich do in the transfer market, I feel confident that they'll get what they need because, yeah, that's what they seem to be able to do. And I don't also feel like there's that much of a rush in terms of doing it. Like, there's two weeks left of the window, and when you look at it in the short term, um, you've got the Leicester game coming up. Realistically, we're Thursday now. Yeah, they can get someone in really quick and maybe be available for that game. I'd say you're probably looking at Caden Jackson starting that one, and that's fine because I thought he was good against Sunderland. And to be honest, I'd say he deserves it. He deserves that shot after his performance against Sunderland. So I'd say that'll be fair enough. And after that, you're looking at Maidstone and, you know, you can kind of make your rotations for that, do what you want. Um, I'm sure there'll be quite a few changes. So whether they go with Jackson or if Freddie's still in the building, anything like that, that there's options there. Um, and then after that, that's those are the last two games of January. So then you're going into really a point where they should have their targets in the next two weeks. The biggest thing for me is, as and when they get those targets, it's making sure that they're fine after that. And that's a concern for someone like Sam Gallagher. If he comes in towards the end of the window, is he going to be up to speed enough to come straight in for February when you're looking at Preston away, then going into the 12-30 against West Brom, you're playing again after that away at Millwall, then you're off to Swansea, then the Tuesday after that, you're at Rotherham, then home to Birmingham, then you've got potential FA Cup tie in the midweek after that. You're going Saturday, Tuesday throughout that. And realistically, you're going to want options that can come in and play most, if not all of those games. So that's the concern for me. In the short term, I think they'll be absolutely fine through January. I don't think there's any point in kind of really pushing and rushing this. You're not looking and saying, oh, we need someone in for this busy run of games in January. It's February that concerns me. So get them through the door, but make sure that when they do get through the door, they're ready to go. That that would be the biggest priority from my perspective. Okay, nice one. Um, shall we talk then about potential departures? So of course, Carl Edwards is one of them. We'll get on to shortly. Um, but Sky Sports are reporting that Cardiff and many others are eyeing Axel Twanzebi boys. Um, obviously, been playing more recently um, with Karen Burgess going off to the Asian Cup, not AFCON. Um, Stu, thoughts on this one? Axel, of course, came in in September as a free agent, had to come up to speed, play some games. Um, he's now playing week in, week out. He made back-to-back starts, didn't he, against Stoke and Wimbledon. And um, yeah, interesting on this. Yeah, certainly very interesting for me because I had the pleasure of sitting down with with Axel last week for a really in-depth interview about his career and how he's getting on at Ipswich and his hopes for the future, which um, the plan is to uh, bring you, you listeners part one of that tomorrow and part two on Saturday. So when this story cropped up yesterday, I was thinking that's rendered all my work potentially undone, but... Um, my gut feeling, and I haven't got insight into this one, is it, it feels like maybe a um, something agent-driven to try and get some con- contract negotiations under underway. He signed a, a short-term deal with Ipswich back in September until the end of the season. Ipswich do have an option to extend that by 12 months, so they're, they're well protected. But um, 
I can't see why Ipswich would let him go. They've put so much work into kind of getting him up to speed. There was obviously a, a master plan to kind of tread very carefully with him, um, given his back issues that kind of limited his game time at Napoli and Stoke and, and, and further back. Having put all that hard work into kind of getting him to this point with Cameron Burgess going away with Australia probably in mind, uh, I don't under, don't see why they would let him go at this stage. He's not going to command much of a fee, so there's probably not much to be gained from that. The only gain you'd get from it is is maybe freeing up some wages to put into this striker search. We talked about you know how far they'll be able to push with someone like Kiefer Moore, for example, and how much wriggle room they've got. Do you try and free something up there to put into the top end of the pitch? But given Burgess and Baggett are both away given Brandon Williams is back at Manchester United as as we speak. Uh, Leif Davis has missed a few games with a calf problem. Harry Clark's, you know, managing this Achilles issue. Um, it doesn't make sense to me that, that uh, they'd let Axel go at this stage at all. Yeah, silly season, AJ. Silly season, as we say. Um, quick thoughts on that with Axel. Um, yeah, he's been playing right back, obviously, as well. So he's just, he's sort of played around the, the whole back four, back three. Yeah, absolutely no way I'd be letting him go at all when you look at the profile of the player that he is and someone that's still trying to get up to speed. I think that there's still higher ceilings for him when you look at, I think that he's probably coming a little bit still at the deep end, even though he's been eased in. You look at games against um, Leeds, for example, that he found quite tough. But this is all part of getting him up to the level that they want him to be at. And the long-term thing, I think, is they want to give him this year. And then they obviously have the, the option to go further than that but they know that in the long term, if they can keep him fit, get him really ready, that you're probably going to have one of the best centre-backs in the division, I'd say, at his absolute best. And we've seen that at Manchester United and to an extent at clubs like Villa as well, where he's performed at this level to a very high level, let's be honest. So it would make no sense to, to have him move on. I think from his perspective as well, even if he's not necessarily the first name on the team sheet at the moment, what benefit do you have in, in terms of going to Cardiff, I don't mean that with any kind of disrespect to Cardiff, even if there's first-team football and offer there, you're working with a manager that knows you, a manager that's worked with you in the past, a club that has very much an upward trajectory. So it doesn't make a great deal of sense, and obviously there'll be other clubs that will probably be sniffing around. I'm sure that there will be interested parties there, but from Ipswich's perspective, and I'd also say from Axel's perspective, it doesn't really make too much sense, I'd say. The only thing from Axel's perspective, and you'll see this in in the interview when it, when it comes out, is... He's 26 years of age now. He's not. He's short of 100 appearances, I think, senior-wise because of these injuries. He's had such a stop-start career that he's desperate now to to play games regularly. Um, and if he's got an inkling that you know he's that he he's going to be a bit of a backup man for another six months, and he's just seeing you know months and months of his career slide away. Maybe that's sort of eating away in, in the back of his mind. But as Alex says, he, he loves McKenna. Lee Grant as well is another member of the Ipswich backroom staff that he worked with at Manchester United. He seems really settled and, and happy here. So I think once people read that, they'll um, any fears about that should be should be quelled, I would imagine. Indeed, yeah. Check that out, ladies and gentlemen. Check that out to do an actual face-to-face. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a good read, so check it out. Uh, <laughs> what, what? When are they fighting, Ross? Oh, I've done a heath you there, don't I? Face is to on, face. Is this on paper? Head head. 
Maybe pay per view. Yeah, yeah. You, it was face to face. I understood you. You up at the training ground. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very much in person. Yeah, as I've just not heard interviews described that way before. But um, we'll go with it. Yeah, go with that. Go with that. Um, AJ, bring you back in, my friends. I want to quickly talk about Carl Edwards. Um, obviously departed mutual consent last week. Uh, he's now back at Oxford on a permanent deal until the rest of the season. He's only signed a short-term contract there, which I don't think we're that surprised about, really. No, I was a little bit surprised by the timing of it. I was fairly confident that he was going to end up um, being a part of this Oxford squad at some point on the permanent deal. I think even when the loan happened initially, he's probably sensed that this was one where if it went well, Oxford would also be a club that w- would have the finances to bring him in. I mean, I've seen bits where they're throwing around 400k to sign a striker who's scored six professional goals from Cheltenham is the latest thing I've seen with them. So they obviously have the money there. Um, and I think that's probably why they've been able to come in and, and make an offer for him to come in until the end of the season. I, I kind of get that. It's been very busy with Carl Edwards. Um, I'm not sure if it's been one of those situations where they've known for quite a while how they want to play this or if it's been literally conversation after conversation. I feel like I've written about eight stories on this in the last week, but a situation where he obviously picked up the injury, got brought back into the squad um, in around November and he kind of re-aggravated that hamstring injury, ruled him out again. Um, and I think it was Des Buckingham who then said, it looks like he'll be out for a large chunk of the season, realistically. So which brought him back. Then it was revealed that um, Oxford were going to keep him at the club to recover from his injury, which felt a little bit weird why you'd have a player under contract to Ipswich. Ipswich probably having slightly better medical staff, you'd also say why he'd then stay at Oxford. And you hear these comments from Des Buckingham, he has a settled life here, things like that. Cogs start to turn a little bit at that point. So it wasn't a huge surprise to see him released. And at that point, it was yeah fairly obvious that, that he'd go be his next permanent club at Oxford. So I think it's a really fantastic move for him in, in the long term, assuming that he stays beyond the season. It gives him the short term deal gives him the chance to go and play some football, hopefully at the end of this campaign. Um, the reason that they've signed him is based off a short spell at the start of the season. So he's obviously done enough in that little bit there to impress, to get a contract, even for a period where he's going to be injured. It sounds like up until about April almost. So that's obviously a really good sign of kind of where his career is in that sense, at least at a League One level. Um, And the biggest thing I think that everyone just hopes he kicks on because it has also been a little bit kind of stop start for him, I know coming in from West Brom, having the spell at Ipswich where, you know, he obviously played his part in promotion. Everyone really liked him, almost like a Greg Lee figure in terms of he might not be the absolute star man, but his personality is so big in the group. Um, and it's it's important for, for his career as this kind of quite skillful, dynamic winger that he just goes and gets games and at League One level, as an ambitious league one side who's going to really want to, to play championship football within the next few years. I think it's a really good fit, um, both for them and for him. And the biggest thing now is just making sure that the injuries don't kind of plague him too much. People are always confused by this mutual consent situation. I think it's kind of worth clearing that up as to why Ipswich would tear up his contract to allow him to go and sign somewhere else. But ultimately, Ipswich have saved themselves some money here. Um you could pluck some figures out of thin air to sort of to flesh out the argument. I, I don't know if that's useful, but 
he would have been paid X amount till the end of the season by Ipswich with Oxford picking up a percentage of that. What Ipswich will do is probably come to an agreement with him to split the difference. Like you were due to be paid this until June. Um, it's clear that you're going to be let go at the end of that contract. Can we can we split the difference? Can we pay you half? And then that enables you to go and get yourself a, a contract. I think he's only signed till the end of the, the season at Oxford. But ultimately, Ipswich have saved themselves some money. They'll have they'll have come they'll have paid him off less than the, what they would have due to been paying him till the end of the season. Not described that very well, but um, Ipswich will have saved themselves some money, which all feeds into this kind of every penny counts within FFP and, and might free up some funds for them to do something in January. I also think it's a case of doing the right thing for the player. That's that's a big thing in the sense yeah. that you're letting him go so he can now go and make sure that he has everything secured. He will hopefully look at this Oxford deal. Yes, it's until the end of the season, but his mid to long-term future now is a little bit more secure if you're at Ipswich and you've got, well, he's back in the squad. Could he be used? Could he be sent out somewhere else? Could he be loaned? Is he going to be released? Is he going to be transferred this month? How are you going to play it? There's all this kind of stuff going on around it. By letting him go now, yes, on the free, it just makes yeah, it makes financial sense in that perspective, of course. But and for him, player, he earns yeah. slightly less money, doesn't he, than if he'd mm. have just seen out his Ipswich contract. But the the reason it's a it's a go for him, as you say, is is to get settled, to get himself yeah. somewhere where he thinks he can kick on with his career. So those mutual consent situations tend to be kind of ultimately they thrash something out, and everyone's a winner at the end of it. Yeah, obviously we're the same with Joe Piggott. Um, obviously he had one more you know year left on his deal in, in the summer, but he was never going to play for us again. So I think that's probably the best way forward. But yeah, best of luck to Carl Edwards. Um, and yeah, we shall see. Uh, should we talk about another link that dropped last night? It was uh, linked in the summer, but linked again. Marvin Johnson on Sheffield Wednesday, the, the Sheffield star, um, have reported this due. Um, 33 years of age. Um Straight away, my radar goes, no thank you. Um, but yeah, interesting one, this. Yeah, you think he should be put down and turned into glue at this stage. Um, it's, yeah, it didn't make an awful lot of sense last summer and it makes less sense now, I would say. Um, he's obviously a experienced, decent left-sided player at, at this level. Why would Ipswich be bringing him in as a bit of backup to Leif Davis, who's missed a few games with a calf strain recently? Are they a bit concerned that when when he was unavailable, they lost a lot? That would probably be the only reason, but he's he's capable of playing further forward on the left. But now with Sarmiento coming in, you've got Broadhead, Sarmiento, Harness, all able to play in those roles. So, yeah, given Ipswich are in a kind of one-in, one-out situation, um, doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me. I guess there's the Brandon Williams situation that ties in into that as well, if you kind of took that into account. But um, yeah, um, it was a surprising link. I think eyebrows were raised when when most people saw that one. Yeah, indeed. Um, shall we talk then about maybe Brandon Williams and left back? Because um, obviously Brandon Williams has gone back to Man United, um, potentially could never play for Ipswich again. So it'd be an interesting, you know, that's another position we may need to strengthen in. Even if we, you know, Brandon does stay, there's that injury, you know, record with, with even with Harry Clark and other players, Leif Davis still. Um, Stu, how, how are you feeling about that? Um, 
if Brandon goes back, you have to say that fullback's looking a little bit light. Um, we talked about it, a, an area of the squad that I think Kieran McKenna deemed to have his biggest strength in depth was the fullback positions. Is is now looking pretty pretty light with Genoa Danasian still out with these groin issues that that seems to be no sign of that clearing up anytime soon. Um, without Harry Clark and Leif Davis in the team, Ipswich lost something big um, we saw recently. And then when they were back in the team against Sunderland, you could see, you know, Leif Davis assist. Harry Clark was was arguably their best player that day. So without those two, you know, we've been talking about, you know, Axel filling in at, at right back and Cameron Humphreys stepping in at left back, which isn't, you know, which isn't ideal. So, um yeah, I think if Brandon Williams doesn't come back, and that's still a big if, Kieran McKenna's talking about still hoping that 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 um, his medical assessment goes okay and he's able to return. Um, but if he doesn't come back, then yes, I do think fullback in general, maybe someone that can play both of those roles, has a bit of versatility, is, is something that will need to be considered. Indeed. And AJ, you put together a story of um, left-backs, your targets. Um, one of them we won't talk about because he's gone to Plymouth. Um, but the rest, what, what's your top pick? I've gone through some of them, and Connor Bradley is one that sticks out for me. Uh, Liverpool player on mm-hmm. loan at Bolton last season. Um, and, of course, yep. impressed against us. But, um, yeah, chuck some other names at us. Yeah, full-backs rather than left-backs, I think. The versatility is the biggest thing. Um, I'd be surprised if they necessarily signed someone who would, just be there to kind of cover one side. I did have one player in that bracket, which was Danny McNamara, um, who's just pretty much dead on right back. So that was one of the areas. And from there, it's kind of just been versatility as the biggest thing. So um, it really depends on the profile. I like Connor Bradley. Is it a situation where Liverpool would want to let him go? I'm not sure because Trent Alexander-Arnold is going to miss some games. It's a good opportunity for him to play, but that would be a good fit. And it just depends on the profile. I mean, the first name I put on that list was Ben Johnson. He's someone who's playing Europa League football at the moment. Is that something that would be feasible? There are links with a lot of top championship sides as well as Rangers and Sheffield United. It's the level that town wants to compete with. But, you know, financially with FFP, with the striker search, does that make sense? After that, I think the biggest thing for me was versatility. I looked at someone like Callum Styles, who I watched lots at Millwall last season. He can play absolutely everywhere. Left back, left wing back, left wing, right wing. He's been playing centre mid a lot this season. So having someone like that would be right up Kieran McKenna's street. Um, I like my wildcard pick. I think John Joe Kenny was one that stood out to me. He's been playing on both sides. But my wildcard pick was the one that stood out. Timothy Fosu Mensah. Someone who hasn't really had too much kind of game time pretty much in his career. And there's a lot of similarities there with Axel Twanzebe in a sense that since leaving Manchester United, it's not really worked out. He went to buy a Leverkusen, um, hasn't actually played since about April, um, have been some injuries there, but he's um, been in and around the squad. Chabi Alonso had him on the bench for one of their games, um, yeah, January 13th against Augsburg, only 25, last six months of his contract. It's one where would he be someone that, would be a affordable given the fact that, well, given his contract situation and b looking at his wages as, as someone that could want to just come and play regular football and the big thing for me well two one he's worked with Kieran McKenna ex Manchester United link they've worked together for a long time um, you know he was one of the brightest prospects in United's academy for a, a really long time and also 
he can play in lots of different positions. He's had two Premier League loans, went to Fulham and Crystal Palace, played right back, played centre-back, played centre-mid. Again, the versatility factor is really big here. He'd be one that I'd be really interested in. Um, it's totally left field. There's nothing really concrete in any of these players that I've picked out here. Um, but of all of them, I think he he has a high ceiling and I'd be really kind of interested, regardless of whether anything with Ipswich was to happen, be interested to see how his career kind of pans out from now. Indeed. Oh, do you know what? That Timothy, yeah, the guy you've just been speaking about, I always thought he was English. I always thought he was like English. No, Dutch international. Three cap Dutch international. Yeah. Um, I think he probably, I think he came through Ajax as a academy. I can't remember. Yeah. Ended up at Manchester United anyway. And yeah, I, I just think that he ticks a lot of boxes. And if, if he's someone that wants to get his career back on track a little bit, having not really played, and I just think the McKenna factors big here this is the kind of pull would he look at most championship clubs and say yeah i want to play here as someone who's going to be in a squad that is challenging at the top end of the bundesliga at the moment one of the strongest sides in the league and is playing in the europa league do you are you in that position where even when you're on the bench you go oh you know what i fancy the championship probably not but if you have a chance to then come and play under someone that you know well in a system that you know is going to be really good for you yeah i'd, I'd be interested um Maybe I'll maybe I'll get the town recruitment team having a, a little sniff around. You never know, but I, I I think he'd definitely be one of them. But there's um yeah definite names on that. It's, it's not an area where if town go and look for fullbacks, they're going to come up short. There's quite a few there. I even had to leave quite a few out because I didn't want to make it into the world's longest piece. So there'll there'll be options floating around, especially if Brandon Williams goes back. Indeed. Um, still, where are you at with a fullback position? Is that is that something you think that is needing or strengthening? If um, you know Brandon Williams doesn't you know come back, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think think we covered that. But yeah, I think um, there's some interesting names on Alex's list. Um, John Joe Kenny, someone who can play both fullback positions and centre half as well. He's just someone I'd forgotten about to be honest. So. Um, yeah, he he intrigued me, and and like you, Ross, Connor Bradley definitely jumped off the page um, when Ipswich played Bolton last season um, when he was on loan there. I think um, he ticked those kind of attacking, marauding qualities that Kieran McKenna wants from a fullback. He's more more of a right back from what we've seen. Um, but uh, yeah, I think if William if Williams doesn't come back. Um, there's certainly some. There seems to be some more options floating around at fullback than there does striker. Let's put it that way. We shall wait and see. Um, any other business, then, boys, from the sexy stuff? Anything else we need to mention, or is that done and dusted for the time being? Obviously, there'll be other movements for the rest of this two weeks. Um, anything else? Please? I think that um, Wes Burns would love to see Marvin Johnson sign for Ipswich Town. <laughs> I think. I think they would get on wonderfully. Have them on either flank. You know, you're kind of fullback slash wingers. They, they, they'd be the best of friends, wouldn't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, he got suspended for that because of the, the elbow to the face. Um, but yeah, lovely job. Uh, well, um, it's been a week. It will be a week this Saturday until the last town game. Obviously, we're playing on Monday. Leicester City, um, top of the table. Um, obviously, they've got a lot of players out. Their manager's going to be suspended for this one. Stu? They're, they're breaking records in this division. Um, obviously, we drew with them on Boxing Day, which was a very entertaining game, very good performance. Uh, 1-1 draw, obviously. Um, how are you feeling going into this one as we, we head to the King Power? 
Looking forward to it. I think Ipswich can take a lot of confidence from the way they went toe-to-toe with Leicester on, on Boxing Day. Fully deserved that stoppage time equaliser from Sam Morsi, albeit with a couple of, of deflections. I felt like that was the, the very least Ipswich deserved from that game. And yeah, now Leicester, is this a good time to go to the King Power Stadium? They've got some players away at AFCON. They've got uh, players suspended. They got the manager uh, banned from the touchline. Uh, they've just lost three-one in a derby game against Coventry. Um, beware the wounded animal, perhaps, but might not be a bad time to go to to Leicester. Not bad at all. Um, AJ, how you feeling for this one? As, as Stu is really right off, players missing, the manager not going to be on a touchline. Um, obviously, the big defeat last week, as Stu said, against Coventry. Um, but it's still going to be a tough game. Yeah, they were beaten in the M69 derby as Stu chuckled that after our um, post-Sunderland video there. If you have not watched that, go and watch it many, many times because it is the best one we've done in my eyes. I don't brilliant. think derby should be named after Rhodes. <laughs> that's that's why he laughed, guys. Um, yeah, so I think that this is pretty much, yeah, as Stu said, with their absentees, it's probably the best time play them. You look at before they were beaten by Coventry, their last defeat was November 11th. They lost at Middlesbrough. They've won or drawn every game since then. They've won every game apart from a 1-1 draw against Sheffield Wednesday and a 1-1 draw against Ipswich. Um, Their home form is fairly terrifying. 11 wins, 2 defeats. Um, So, yeah, I think that it's pretty much the best chance to to go there and get a result. Um, it's a strange one in a way, isn't it? Where you feel like they there isn't that much pressure. It almost feels a bit like a free hit because of the team that they are. But also, you look at the situation with the table and look, whatever happens with town this season, it's been a remarkable season, whether they finish first, second, third, fourth, whatever. Um, but with the balance of the table, it is important with the fact that there is a chance technically, potentially to close the gap on a team like Leicester, who would be losing back-to-back games, I think, to be the second time this season. Um, so it, it's a chance, I think, more than anything. It's a big opportunity. I don't think it's kind of maybe as critically important as it, it could have been. I don't think it's one where if they lose this game, it's going to be an absolutely hammer blow when you look at what Leicester are this season. Um, but given their absentees, given the manager's not going to be there and he's such a key figure on the touchline, um, given the fact that an Ipswich win could could also, you know, blow things open a little bit in terms of the promotion race. It, it feels big, but it doesn't feel maybe totally huge in, in terms of, yeah, the, the season as a whole, in terms of what it could mean towards the end of, end of the campaign. So exciting. Let's just go and enjoy it. These are the kind of games that when Town got promoted, everyone was really looking forward to, weren't they? Coming to a stadium that was playing... You know, hosting European football and, and Premier League football very recently, I think it'll be a really good game. Feels a bit like kind of everything to gain, but n- not a lot to lose. And I, d- I don't mean that, obviously, just checking the tables. Can Southampton leapfrog Ipswich if they, if yeah, if they goal win difference, and goal yeah. difference happens? So you, you can lose second place. And obviously, then that narrative flips that way. But realistically, as long as Ipswich perform well and they came away with a defeat, it doesn't doesn't massively sort of dent anything, I don't think. Um, but if Ipswich were to somehow go there and, and win, um, 
my word, what a statement that sends out to the rest of the division, this kind of, oh, Ipswich will fade away soon. Well, if you go come from behind and beat Sunderland at home in difficult circumstances and you were to follow that up with the win at Leicester, who has just been shown are not... In, you know, not invincible. They have just lost their last game. They have got players missing. Um, just looking at the team that, that they named in Boxing Day, indeed, he's out, I think, injured. He, um, he had to withdraw, didn't he, from AFCON in the end for injury, but he, he's not available. Fatawu is, starts a suspension. He started on the right side of their attack in that Boxing Day game. Dhaka, their central striker, is away with Zambia. Ianacho, the backup striker, is away with Nigeria, which has left sort of Tom Cannon as their their central striker option. So it's a bit like Ipswich really talking about sort of going going down to their third choice options up front all of a sudden. So um, yeah, they're a good team. They're not to be underestimated. Um, but I think Ipswich are going to go there and give this, as we know, in every game, a real good go. And I think they'll go there with belief that they can do something in this. I think there's some frustration brewing as well, a little bit in terms of January, because there's been a lot coming out about Leicester in the sense of, well, you know, if they strengthen this team, God, how do you even begin to strengthen this team? But also, they are looking to do it, but they can't because with FFP, with the squad numbers, they, they, they're finding it really hard. Who do you take out of this team to sell that would then be able to facilitate an incoming? You're looking at potentially one of the strikers, or they're both away at the moment. So trying to get a move like that done would be really, really difficult. And then looking elsewhere in the squad, how do you do that? They're currently they've agreed a deal, supposedly I think through Sky. They've said uh, for Stefano Sensi, who is playing Inter Milan. I think he was something like a twenty million pound signing for Inter Milan in 2018 or 2019 around then. Um, they've agreed a deal for him to come in, but they can't have that go through until they get someone out. So it's such a hard balance to find. I think there is some frustration there um, just in terms of how that's played out. And that might sound a little bit crazy given the strength of the squad, but I think it just adds to things with the absentees, with the manager being gone. It just feels like at the moment, things aren't really going their way. And as Stu said, beware the wounded animal, but it does present a real opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, I bet Sky are going to love this. Of course, live on Sky, Monday night football. Um, nice little different different game for a day for us to cover Isha Town. Um, shall we do predictions then, boys? Um, can be a hard one to predict. AJ and Heafy got bang on. Uh, well, they got the score and everything bang on. Not the, the first goal scorer, but they got 2-1. So maximum points for those. So AJ's now sort of going away. I think, I think Heafy's sort of somewhat catching up potentially on me anyway. Um, Stu, how are you feeling then, mate? Do you think Town can get this big win? I may as well give up on the prediction stakes now. I'm uh, very much getting cut adrift at the bottom, aren't I? Um, I'm somewhere between a couple of results. I still haven't decided what I'm going to lock in. Um, I'm torn between Ipswich being able to go and get a 1-1 draw or a 2-1 Leicester win is where I'm at with this one. And I think... I think I'll probably reluctantly go for Leicester to to win two one, but Ipswich to to come away from it with their with their heads held high. Um, and I'll go with a, a safer option on first goal score. I'll go with Connor Chaplin. Yeah, get make a tenth, tenth goal of the season for for Chappers. Um and he'll probably have the captain's armband again. You, you'd imagine with Sam Wolsey obviously missing this game again. He's his second game. Uh, he'll be back though, obviously for the for the Mainstone game. If uh, if Mikiru McKenna wants to chuck him in there, just to get him back up to speed. Um, and we'll get onto the team again shortly. But AJ, your prediction, my friend, as you said, you are top of the table with 
We quickly have a little 36 points. You're seven points clear mm. at the top. Yeah, Stu wasn't best pleased when pretty much almost on the full-time whistle against Sunderland, patted them on the back and said something along the lines of, you need to get your predictions in order, mate. <laughs> I think there was just a silence. He just went, thanks for that, Alex. Um, I felt a little bit bad after that, but yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit more optimistic. I'm going to go with the draw. I think that this is going to be good fun. I think it's been a little while since we've had a, a proper high-scoring game, which has been enjoyable, not including Leeds in that one, for example. So I'm going to go with a 2-2. I think that Tam can go and get something from this game. First goal scorer, I want to go a little bit left field, trying to pick the team in my head quite hard. I'm going to go left field. I'm going to go Jack Taylor. Bang it in from distance, my friend. He will be my pick for this one. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to go, as we've got now, a defeat and a draw. I want to go for a town win. It's going to be another memorable away day. But it's only going to be 1-0. 1-0. And I think that will be nice and solid. Um, I think both teams will will frustrate. Um, I'm just looking at Leicester, though. They've scored 55 goals and have only conceded 21, which is records for both of them, which is just madness. Absolute madness. But I think Town could just, you know, sneak one here and get a nice 1-0 win. First goal scorer. Do I go safe just like Stu? Maybe Nathan Broadhead. Why not? Nathan Broadhead to score. He's, he's been frustrated as of late, so he'll he'll get on the score sheet and score the winner. Maybe a late winner, boys. That that would be nice. We actually haven't won at Leicester since t- 2002. It's a long time ago, 20 years ago, and uh, yeah, hopefully that can change. But uh, that's my prediction. Um, let's talk about the team. We've had uh, you know the boys have had a week on the training grounds, um, opportunity to rest up some players, um, getting them up to speed again. Stu, where, where do you think? Kieran McKenna will go. Kane Jackson up top again and any other players you think will, will come in? Yeah, I think it'll be Jackson up front. He's, he's earned that chance to go again after his performance against Sunderland. Um, I think his his qualities, his pace, his hard pressing are suited to these sort of games. We saw so many times in League One that he was uh, McKenna's go-to man for, for, the, for the big games against the bigger clubs away from home. So um, no doubt in my mind that, that he'll be up front. Um, will Massimo Luongo be back from that that ankle injury that, that kept him out from Sunderland? I think his sort of tenacity you'd, you'd prefer, especially with Sam Morsi being out. Um, if he was available, I think Travis and Luongo would give you that little bit more steel, a proper sort of double defensive pivot for a tough away game. But um, time will tell on that one. Um, the only other position... Obviously, we hope Davis and Clark are, are okay, um, having only just come back from from injuries at fullback. Is there a question mark? Is there a conversation to be had around Nathan Broadhead, who has been quiet of late? Um, Jeremy Sarmiento has had a couple of really impressive, exciting cameos so far. As he looks like someone who's prepared to do the defensive work as well, and he'd give you a he'd give you a bit of a sort of a counter attack threat. He's more dynamic than Nathan Broadhead. Or do you do you keep the faith with Nathan Broadhead, who is a uh, yeah? You've just thumbs up because you've just predicted him to be the first goal scorer. But do you do you go with him because he is that man who can provide you a moment of magic? I don't know if we're quite into that that conversation about Nathan Broadhead not starting at the moment, but he's um he's not been as impactful of late, has he? Yeah, that's true. That's why I've gone for him to maybe just get this game with the opportunity for him to take that rough straight out and get that goal, the winning goal. But yeah, that's a good point. AJ, where, where are you going to go with that? Um, I will admit, I was like, oh, when Stu said I was like, no, my first goal scorer is out the window. I have to change it, but I can't. I've locked it in. But yeah. 
Yeah, Stu's also now discussed about my first goal score and dropping out of the team here. So he's, he's gone for both of us. Um, exactly the same boat. Interesting one I'm going to throw in here. Centre-back, do you keep the partnership the same? Now, I'm not going to be moving George Edmondson because, God, I mean, George Edmondson, unbelievable at the moment. Um, but Luke Wolfen, really good performance against Sunderland. Is there maybe a question mark over bringing someone, well, bringing Axel in, that right-sided centre-back there, especially against quite a fast attack, quite a pacey outfit, looking at having quite strong wingers. Now, obviously, that was the case at Leeds and it was a tough game for for Axel against Leeds. So there's a question mark there, of course. But is this a game where he'd be suited to it? Is it also a case of saying, you know, you need to keep, you need to be fresh and you need to have those minutes and it's important to be in the team regularly? Potentially. I don't know. That'll be the only other one I'd kind of throw in there. Um, it's always difficult as well trying to balance the team, knowing that you've got an FA Cup tie on the horizon where you could easily just take the entire lineup, wipe it, and start afresh going into the um, the Maidstone game, especially ahead of a, the hectic February I went through earlier. So that would be my only question mark. It's just about how McKenna wants to kind of find that balance because you could always look at just bringing Twanzebe in for the cup game. You could always bring him in for here and, and have Wolfenden on the bench at, at Leicester. So that's that's probably the only other balance I'd be looking to kind of find there. Okay, then we shall wait and see, obviously, on Monday. Um, well, boys, nearly getting to the hour mark, uh, so we'll wrap up shortly. But any other business, Stu? Anything else you want to mention? Obviously, you've still got your face off of Axel Twanzebe to, to release, which is going to be great. But any other business? It was very pleasant. I wouldn't describe it as a face-off at all. I enjoyed my time with Axel. Sometimes players don't open up as much, but he seemed quite keen to kind of reflect this. And I'll give that one last teaser he's talked about. He's talked about... Uh, going up against Zlatan Ibrahimovic in training, getting words of praise from people like Wayne Rooney and Michael Carrick, um, that game against PSG and Kylian Mbappe taking a penalty in a Europa League final. He certainly had uh, quite a few big level experiences, has Axel. So, um, sorry, Axel. I did ask him about his pronunciation. It's Axel. Um, but uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I hope, I hope people will enjoy it. Did you ask him about Hungry Hungry Hippos? I did not. I was told that he's getting a little bit fed up of being asked about hungry, hungry hippos. Okay, so, fair enough. Um, I, I, I did bottle that question. I thought, he, uh, I thought, uh, from what I gather, he, he doesn't like being asked about that all the time. So I left. That, that must have been like when he came in. That must have been like the first thing that the players asked him. Like, he obviously was when he came into the squad. Everyone would have known about. Yeah, that is true. But everyone would have like known roughly who he is. But like you could just imagine this first training session. Oh, I check your Wikipedia, mate. What's this hungry, hungry hippos thing? He must have had to explain it to like five or six people every day. From what I gather, Andy Warren, formerly of this parish, our beloved Hutchie, they uh, had a little idea from admin to uh, to get hungry, hungry hippos involved in the announcement of Axel Twenzebi, and off he went into town. I hope he doesn't mind me telling this. Went into town, went to a went to a toy store, got himself a knockoff version of Hungry Hippos. Uh, came came back, had it in a little bag, ready to ask him to do some sort of something with it for for uh, for the internet. And then was um, I think it got relayed that he doesn't like talking about Hungry Hippos. Got a little sort of chop across the throat gesture, and the the bag was sort of slowly slid out of view. And uh, they decided against that. So 
don't ask Axel Twanzebi about hungry hippos, okay? Yes. Yeah, going forward, we won't ever mention it again. Um, do you actually question, boys? Do you think players look at their Wikipedia page? Do you reckon they they quickly Google themselves and they, they of course the normally that is the first thing that comes up is the Wikipedia page. Do you reckon they do? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Conversation. <laughs> yeah. Would you not like if you're a professional player? Would you not like have it as an open tab on your laptop most of the yeah. time? But Mark, like, wow, Mark, look at yeah. me. I have a page. Do you think that like, they have the agents and stuff updating it all the time? Yeah, I, I would. I'd, I'd be updating my own. I'd be sat at home just being typing away and making sure that I look as glitzy and glamorous as possible. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, AJ, as I've got you, any other business? Anything else you want to mention? Anything you need to plug? Yeah, briefly. Asian Cup underway. Nice. Afcon, well, Afcon is underway, but we're, we're not going to talk about Afcon because there's no Ipswich influence. Um Ross hates any football. Ross, I think, just hates football, full stop. But Ross especially hates non-Ipswich football. So the fact that it's international duty, especially going on during the season, this is he hates this as much. Has as he? Have they, have they won the Asian Cup? Has Baggett or Burgess won the Asian Cup? Oh, it'd be great it? if Baggett won it. No, not yet. So yeah, this is this is uh, to Ross what Christmas is to Ross. He hates <laughs> this. But yeah, it's underway. So we've had the first couple of games that have been played. Uh, Baggett started and ended up getting booked two minutes into the game. Fair play. Let, let your man know he's there. Um, get stuck in and all that. They lost that one 3-1 and then uh, no Cameron Burgess for Australia's first game. They won that one 2-0 against India. Um, Australia now playing literally as we're talking now and Cameron Burgess is starting. Yay. Ooh. Good stuff. Um, so hopefully they can get another win there. If they win that, they are, I think they'd go through in the tournament. I'll need to double check that, but there'll be an update on all the international stuff tomorrow. Australia playing Syria and then Indonesia playing Vietnam. So I have an update uh, once Elk and Baggett's played Vietnam tomorrow, but it looks like, um, to be perfectly honest, I think Elkin's going to be heading back quite shortly after the group stages in this tournament. Um, they've got a game against tournament favourites, Japan, coming up later next week so that'll be a, a tough test let's put it that way thrilling thrilling stuff <laughs> thrilling stuff indeed uh well boys thanks for joining me as ever thanks everyone for listening to another kings of english town podcast uh bring on leicester the foxes at the king power um final bit of business from me really is um we've got another offer for you ladies and gentlemen so um check it out uh three pound for three months or get 50% off for the whole year for all our extra town coverage. So check it out. As I mentioned in a previous pod, we have an app. Check out our app. You can download it on all mobile platforms and uh, check it out. And um, if you haven't already as well, follow us on all our socials, Kings of Anglia, and also check out our sponsors at Manscaped. Use the code Cowway. We get 20% off and free delivery for a new look for 2024 uh, for up here and down there Uh, but yeah if you're going to the game enjoy it if you're not follow the game with us as always with the great coverage that Stu, AJ and myself bring you and um, bring on the Mighty Foxes bye for now (laughs) 